The following is a special encore presentation of Mance and Mitchell. Gary, Suzanne, and guests will be back in the studio again next Saturday at 10 a.m., so be sure to join us then for another edition of Mance and Mitchell right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. I know we're all pretty small in the big scheme of things, and I suppose the most you can hope for is to make some kind of difference. But... What kind of difference have I made? What in the world is better because of me? It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Happy to be there, too, believe me. And none of you seem to have the wax problem that afflicts so many of my friends. We sit around and talk about it at Starbucks. Not really. Let's say hello to he whom we refer to simply as the dude. He's the Q-tip guy. <laughs> How are you doing, Michael? I've been I've been doing well. I've never been referred to as the Q-tip guy. I'm uh, I need to ponder that uh, just just a bit. Yeah, I don't blame you. He makes this stuff up as we go along. And I'm overselling it a bit because you are nowhere near Q-tip territory, Suzanne. Q-tip. Yes. Drivers, oh, headless yeah. drivers, that's a Florida thing. Yeah, they call uh, Florida drivers Q-tips because over the when you're riding behind them over the headrest, all you can see is a little white piece of fluff. Uh, <laughs> they, they got those down in uh, Phoenix, too. Oh, yes, they do. The big difference being down in Phoenix and just about anywhere in Arizona, they don't believe in turn signals. <laughs> no, that's right. Just... But they do believe in t- tremendous T-bone uh, collisions. Where someone will just yes. cruise right through the intersection and that uh, boom, uh, it's uh, it's actually it's pretty sad, but it's a fact well, of life. Cars, huh? It's true. I had a close call in Las Vegas, and then I thought, who the blankety blank was that? And they pull out in front of me across two lanes with a cop right on the corner who did nothing about it, by the way. Arizona plate, and then I had a near miss in Tucson. And I asked the guy at the gas station, "What is it with people around here? They don't use turn signals." And he said, "Ah, oh, they don't believe in them." <laughs> so. Such is life. It makes it difficult, Suzanne and Mike, for someone who is trying to live a spiritual life in this material world. Maybe in the world of spirit, they don't have these crashes. They don't have these slam-bang events. But here in the material world, we, uh, we wind up having to deal with issues as we're trying to be spiritual and we, tr- we try to prosper as best we can. And there are a lot of people to this very day despite all of the spiritual literature out there, all of the media, to be both spiritual and material. They act like it can't be done. Well, we're going to hear from someone who does not believe in that false concept, the wonderful Anna Gatman, Ph.D., who will join us for the first time today, and we're so happy to have her. But before we bring her on air... Suzanne, would you do the honors? We need to give this lady her mad props, as we call them. Absolutely. Anna Gatman comes from an eclectic background that spans the USA, Israel, Sweden, and France. Her rich life journey has included careers as a fashion model, an educator, and a counselor. Anna holds a doctoral degree in transformative learning from the California Institute for Integral Studies. She is devoted to empowering people to transcend their personal and cultural suffering 
by living in spiritual and material harmony as a means to planetary healing and wholeness. Anna lives with her family in Sonoma County, California, and we welcome her for the first time to Manson Mitchell, Anna Gatman. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have the, this conversation with you. Oh, we're delighted to have you, Anna. How's your driving? <laughs> My driving is going well, you know. Uh, California drivers are very calm, you know, very courteous. <laughs> well, and, and we're allowed that. to turn right on a red light, which is efficient. Helpful, yes. As a matter of fact, I grew up in Southern California, and the drivers sometimes could get quite aggressive. I mean, that's some people think that's the birthplace of road rage. I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> I can remember some incidents being widely reported from back in the 80s. And yet when I went there, uh, it was to bury my mother, as a matter of fact, back in 2008, I had noticed a change in Southern California. There was a gentility, a gentleness amongst the yeah. population in a way and to a degree that I had not noticed when I was there in my growing up years. So that's altogether good news. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good metaphor for how we drive our life, right? How we drive in our car, how we drive throughout our journey. And it relates to the topic, so it's perfect. Anna, um, Gary and I read your entire book cover to cover. As a matter of fact, we just finished it yesterday, the last few pages. We weren't rushing through it. We generally will read books to each other and then discuss what's in them, maybe making a few notes along the way. And I have to say that we really liked your book. And the subtitle is Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. And um, we just, uh, I love the four keys. Also, the way that you write is that you, you confirm or, or reinforce your ideas throughout the book. And I like how you did that. At the end of the chapter, there's a little bit of a summary so that you can, you know, go over what it is that you read in that chapter. And then you, you keep tying it all together from beginning to end. It's a very practical book. It isn't as though you can read it and then just set it aside. Those ideas that you talk about really um, kind of take root in you when you get through from beginning to end. And so I, I wanted to tell you, I, I appreciate your writing style quite a bit. And I do want to talk about those four keys. Are you up for it today? I am. Thank you for this beautiful, beautiful um, description of the book. You know, when you write a book, it's such a lonely process. that It's so satisfying to hear such a good review from you. <laughs> So th oh, thank absolutely, you. absolutely. I'm going to get right into it. And that is, you talk about expansive presence and expansive thoughts. And I wanted you to say a little bit about that key, because that is the first one you talk about that kind of opens everything up and lays the foundation for the rest of the ideas. So would you say a little bit about expansive thinking? Yes. So first of all, in my doctoral research, you know, what I discovered is that all luminaries, you know, saints, sages, spiritual teachers, they reside for long periods of time in this expansive state of consciousness. And in that state of consciousness, what I realized that information that was not available for you a second ago, when you were in a more constricted, rational 
state of mind becomes available to you in a holistic way, kind of in an intuitive way. These were the two findings that I had. And so then it became, okay, how can I create in simple, practical way an expansive presence for each one of us? Because I do believe that each one of us, you and, and me and your listeners, can all have same access to the same pool of wisdom as spiritual teachers have. We don't need to sit there and just listen to their wisdom. We all have access to it. So, okay, how do we access that? And so then I came up with these four keys. And so the first key is expansive presence. And so that's really tapping into a larger version of yourself, a more noble version of yourself, where your aspirations and your principles and your values reside, and you can tap into those when you're the best version of yourself. And you can do it, you know, in the book I go on to, to, into details about that, but you can do it through very simple, practical ways, and that was my aim for the book. This is simple. This is not... Um, unattainable. Be here now. Well, how do I do that? Well, expansive consciousness. How do I do that? Well, okay, here is how. Through your breath, through gratitude, through um, the words you use. They're really small examples, and I'm happy to go into to examples, but that was the aim, to first of all tap into a more enlightened version of yourself, and that opens up everything afterwards. There's um, there's something I wanted to read from your book, because as we were reading it, every once in a while, something would just like strike a gong or a bell in my head. And this was one of the things that I read that I thought was so important to me. You write on page 40, envy and resentment constrict your consciousness instead of expanding it. When you are envious of someone and want something they have, something you perceive yourself as lacking, you are by definition denying its existence in you. But the truth is you would not even have taken note of someone else having that thing if it didn't already exist in you. It is something you already possess, but in the form of a denied or dormant longing that you have avoided or ignored in some way. And that just really struck a chord in me, Anna, because I think at one time or another, everyone has experienced some kind of envy or jealousy. And I can remember even, you know, going back to high school days, being envious of someone's good looks or the fact that they had a built-in swimming pool or something about them that I thought, you know, I, I wish I looked like her. I wish I had a pool. I wish I had a boyfriend. You know, something about that person that made me envious or jealous. And I like how you say it exists in all of us, but it's being denied. Like, I can't have that. We have told ourselves, I'll never have that. I'll never be that pretty. I'll never have a, a swimming pool. I'll never have a boyfriend. We deny that stuff in ourselves, even though you say it's there. If you feel it, it's there in you, and there is a way to bring it out, and that's with expansive consciousness, getting out of the denial phase and getting into a more affirmative phase. Do I have that right? Oh, you said it beautifully, and I think that that is a great example for the expansive presence, because you can look at it as envy or jealousy, and we've all had that, and we all have that. But if at that moment you say, wait a second, this is actually a longing 
that I have in me that <clears throat> was either dormant or I've denied, and I've denied it so much that I'm envious of somebody else having it, but I'm denying it in myself. And instead, you look at it in a more expansive way. <clears throat> I apologize for this. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, as a longing. Suddenly, you don't need to judge yourself or judge the other person. It's a longing. Now let's explore what is that longing about. And I give an example. You know, if you're jealous of somebody else having more money than you, well, what would that money give you? Would it give you freedom? Would it give you more opportunity to do what you love to do? Okay, well, freedom and doing what you love to do, you can do in other ways except for having millions in your bank account. I'm not saying that it's not a great thing. But you can't sit and hope for something that you don't have. Instead, you got to do with what you have, right? So if freedom and pleasure and enjoyment or doing good in the world is what's underneath that you want to use money for, then suddenly you can think of, you know, 10 different ways that you can experience freedom, more quality time, uh, doing good in the world, and all these other qualities that you're longing for and that you're perceiving that money is going to, is the only way to get them. So that's a really great example of how you tap into a more expansive perspective on the same issue, and suddenly you're freed of envy and jealousy and feeling bad and ashamed about it, and you don't want to own it or admit it. Suddenly you have a longing. Wow, that's an inquiry that you can go on a journey, and you have a way out to 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 acquire what you really want, which is the underlying um, qualities and capabilities that you perceive money is going to give you. That's the freedom. That, that is exactly. Up with the expense. Yeah. Yeah. Value-based consciousness. Hey, I think I just coined a term there. I'd better write this down. Value-based <laughs> consciousness. Should. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Anna, typically when I talk to people in these terms, it centers on affairs of the heart. Now, you could apply it to just about anything, I realize, but I can't even tell you. Over the years, how many times have I talked to another guy who sees a particular woman and he has just got to have her? She's the one for me. Wow. And they get fixated. I have talked yeah. to women who say, I have a list and he's got to be and he's got to have, and he's got to do, and that's my list, and I won't settle. And these folks, over a long period of time, persist in their unhappiness, and they wonder what's wrong yeah. with them that they can't attract the miracle lady, the miracle gentleman. And I have told a few of them, because I'm just starting to get comfortable with speaking in these terms, but I have told certain people, why don't you stop focusing on the outward appearance and start thinking in terms and imagining and affirming in terms of the kinds of values and experiences you would most enjoy having and simply affirm that they are yours to claim and keep saying yes to the idea, welcome it until you see it manifested yeah. in your life. Yeah, well, that is exactly what I did on Thursday. On Valentine's Day, I did a Facebook Live for Valentine's Day. And I said, okay, it's focusing on self-love. I want you to make a list of the five top things that you want in a romantic relationship. Just go for it. And then pick the easiest one or the top one and see if you have it inside yourself. Because often we want somebody else, like you said, to fulfill something that we have inside ourselves. And I gave the, the example, I love to be swept away. 
on a weekend, surprise. I love those things. Those are romantic things. But the truth is that I have that inside me, and I love to do that. I love to surprise people, you know, and sweep them off their feet. So why don't I go and do it rather than sitting there waiting for my partner to be the romantic person to do it? It's true that when they do it, it's fun, and I long for it. But, again, it comes. I deny it in myself. I have the capacity to sweep people away. Instead, I deny it. I wait for my romantic partner to do it if I have one, and I complain that they don't. If I don't have one, then I'm forsaken, and it's never going to happen to me. In all, all this time, I'm sitting with this capacity to really surprise and seduce and sweep people away. I'm good at it, and I love doing it. It gives me this expansive feeling, and I don't do it. So here again, <laughs> we have the power to do it, and when you create that field, this force field of sweeping people away, it starts showing up in your life because you're building the energy around it. You're tapping into this field of sweeping people away and suddenly it becomes part of your life, whether you're doing it or somebody suddenly does it for you. You know, I really like that. And it goes right back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. And that is denying something in ourselves. Well, I'm never going to be swept away. Nobody's ever going to sweep me off my feet the way I would like to be. And there is that denial of some of a longing which is in us that, as you said, may be fulfilled by just turning it on its head and saying, now, how can how can I do that sweeping away? How can I, I do that special thing that is yeah. um, going to bring me joy? I have a, uh, a a girlfriend who spent Valentine's Day giving out little chocolate hearts to anybody and everybody that she could find anywhere, from the mailman to the UPS driver to the restaurant um, servers to everybody. And, and so I, I laughed and I was saying, well, how many did you eat? And she said, none. It wasn't about me and I didn't want to you know, eat the sugars and the stuff I'm not supposed to eat, but I was giving it away. And I thought, you know, that's really something to be able to do it in that way and enjoy other people doing something. And it, it, yeah. it goes back to that whole thing of you don't have to wait for it to happen. You can make it happen. And so yeah. I, I really like that idea of expansive presence in your book. And by Number the time one. you, it, it, yeah, and, and by the time you create this field, this force field of this quality of giving or of being swept away, it becomes it becomes like a felt sense that people can feel around you, and they want to be part of it because it's a fun thing. And suddenly, it shows up in your life in other ways than you doing it by, by yourself. But you're creating the force field to initiate it, and that's important. Anna, I'd like to move on to key number two here. That'll yes. give us plenty of time before we take our halftime break. We only take one break in sure. an hour. So key two, Anna Gatman, let's talk about attentive listening. I would preface what you're about to say by telling you that some of the most successful meditating I've done, and I'm a very, very inconsistent meditator. I really need to dedicate myself to that. But when I treat meditation as an opportunity to provide what one writer called the uplink, saying what I have to say to God, to the universe, to my higher self, I then 
try to discipline myself to then be quiet, just sit with a straight spine and listen. Just listen, because in all likelihood, God is trying to tell me something. Does that kind of give people a sense of where you're going with key number two, attentive listening? Yeah, that, that's beautifully said. So what I said before is that once you expand your consciousness, okay, through these simple ways, now you need to kind of sit back. You don't need to work hard to listen. You actually need to do less and sit quietly in meditation or throughout your day, whatever you're doing. But just let go of the effort and the willing of it and just listen to the universe speaking to you. And it does it through what we use in our language and already know as, you know, my gut feeling, inner knowing, inner prompts, intuition, or um, miracle, um, synchronistic event, you know, the books that just showed up in your life and that's just a book that you need to read or somebody says something that you just needed to hear. That's the universe speaking to us through external or internal prompts. It's intuitive guidance. And that's the second key, through attentive listening, just letting go and trusting that the universe is going to speak to you. Suddenly you get information and it shows up in a holistic way, boom, like flesh, right? It's like flashlight. Suddenly it's like, wow, why didn't I think of that before? That rings so true. So that's the second key. And that is the key that luminaries, you know, they, they, they have so much wisdom, but the wisdom is because they're listening. They're in this expansive state, the best version of themselves. They listen, and then they gain wisdom. And I'm saying you and I can do the same thing. You know, Anna, there is a a couple of things that I can actually point to that I would say involve attentive listening. And it may not be what people think of as attentive listening. Because, um, as Gary said, you know, my meditation practice could, you you know, use some uh, beefing up. But I will find if I go outside to work in the yard and I'm just either trimming bushes and trees or pulling weeds or do some, doing something out in the yard, I find that my higher consciousness kind of takes over when I'm doing something like that where... I'm concentrating on this job and all of a sudden something will pop into my head, an answer to a question I've had or a possible solution that isn't um, readily available. All of a sudden I'll say, oh, I should do that or I should call this person. And so things will come to me when my attention is, is focused on something else. And the other way that it happens to me is when I am coloring. And when I have my, my colors out, my, my pencils, and I'm coloring, I am so focused on the coloring and, and doing what I'm doing on the paper that my higher consciousness has a little portal to communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And all, all of a sudden I'll say, oh, I need to do thus and such. It's like things, answers come to you, problem solve in in those kinds of moments where maybe you're not necessarily sitting in the lotus position, but you might just be focused on something else which is occupying your mind. It, would that all be attentive listening in your thinking? 
Completely. And I think that that's why the book is called Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World. It's happening when you could drive down the highway and just be singing to yourself. And by doing that, you're in a playful, joyful mood, and suddenly insights come in because you have, in a very simple way, not like scientific, I now expanded my consciousness. You were just like singing, but it took you into a more joyful, expansive version of yourself, and suddenly insights come in because that's how the law works. And in nature, there's research on it even, is so expansive. And so when we spend time in nature, we feel compassion, we feel inner peace, we feel interdependence. And so when you work in the garden... You enter this expansive state by a rhythmic entrainment that occurs, and suddenly insight occurs. So that exactly speaks to the fact, don't work hard at let me listen. The universe is not talking to me. Why is it not happening to me? It's happening to everybody else. Everybody else is channeling and intuitive, but not me. No. Go out into the garden. Go listen to music. Go do something that you like to do. Maybe, you know, I have insights when I cook. Because it's kind of like meditative. I'm cooking and I'm not talking to anybody and I'm focused and something about that. I'll have an idea that's, oh, great, I should go do that. So it can happen anywhere. Again, in your office, in the park, when you're taking your shower, um, on the driveway. It happens anywhere where you're just focusing on something else, letting go of the effort of trying to figure it out, and just expanding, relaxing. Suddenly it will show up. Anna Gatman, we are coming up on a break here, but I want to make a, a little bit of a teaser here before we go to break, and that is that not only do we have a couple of other keys to talk about in our second half hour, but when we come back from the break, you are going to talk about a wonderful, wonderful gift that you are giving away to our listeners that is going to be a very practical help in using these keys to be able to dream big. And I, I love it, and I will, I'm going to tell you right now, I already signed up. <laughs> so there you go. When Stay we, tuned to hear more about Anna Gatman's special offer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, this seems like a good time to take a break. Give us a couple of minutes, and when we come back, Anna's going to tell you about how you can dream big. She has a special offer for you, and we would love to give her all the time she needs to articulate that, in addition to letting you know how you can get up close and personal and get a copy of her book, maybe even a signed copy of the wonderful book, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. Anna Gatman, Ph.D., is our special guest of this hour, and we'll be back on the other side of this short break. You're listening to Manson Mitchell at the home of Seattle's Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Stay tuned. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or streaming live from your computer anywhere. A message from wildlife biologist Jeff Corwin for American Humane. Every year, 30,000 elephants are killed by poachers. 8 million tons of plastic is dumped into the ocean. And 18 million acres of forest disappear. And with them, many of the remarkable animals that share our planet. These animals need our help. Their very survival depends on our ability to protect them. Zoos and aquariums are on the front lines of wildlife conservation and inspire environmental stewardship amongst the millions of families that visit every year. And know that zoos and aquariums that have earned the Humane Certified Seal of Approval from American Humane will not give up until every species has a fighting chance for survival. Find out more and help protect and preserve the amazing creatures that share our world. Brought to you by American Humane. I'm Gary Mance. And I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Fridays and Saturdays at 10 a.m., Mance and Mitchell get up close and personal with authors, experts, and celebrities discussing everything from pop culture to the paranormal with a dash of politics on the side. We also share spiritual insights from around the world in ways that shine a light on issues that matter most to you. Light up your life with a little help from your friends. Bringing you fascinating talks since 2007, we are Mance and Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. Living in a material world. Yes, we are all all living in a material world, and we can live a spiritual life as well. I'm not sure that's what Anna had in mind. No, that's what I had in mind. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking with Dr. Anna Gatman. And Dr. Anna, please tell our listeners... Not only how they can get your book and what your website is, but please tell them about this free offer that you have, because I will tell you, it is wonderful. So I just want to say it's exactly what I meant. I meant that enough, the fighting between the spiritual and the material and valuing the spiritual over the material and the material only being here today, gone tomorrow, enough that fight is not working. It's destroying our world. So it's exactly what I meant. If I can just say about that, Andrew Harvey, the, the, the scholar and mystic, has a quote where he says, we're so addicted to either materialism or transcending material reality that we miss God right in front of us in everything. So it's exactly about that. It's how to appreciate our material world, how to see the spiritual in the material, how to see not just... Um, bliss in a rose, which is easy for us, or beauty in a rose, but to see beauty and bliss in the work we do, in the peace we create in a company when we're an accountant, um, the joy we bring when we bake, when we're a baker and we bake bread. So to see the spiritual in the material, but not to deny the material, it's an expression of our spirit. So I, I totally agree with how you put it. Excellent. What is your website, Anna Gapman? So my website is AnnaGatman.com. Anna is A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N. You can find the, the free um, 
a Dream Big Playbook there, but I can also tell. So it's anagatman.com slash B, no, D like David, B like Bob, and T like teacher, Dream Big Playbook. And what it is, it's 10 prompts that allow you to ground your dreams and inspire your actions. Because, again, we live in this dualistic planet. It's either or. So you dream big or you have a boring to-do list. No, we're going to combine them. We're going to create the spiritual material balance and experience abundance through that. So the first five prompts, um, you get to dream big, but we're grounding the dream in a material reality. What's it going to feel like? What it's going to look like? We're grounding it through your senses. And then the second half, the second five prompts, are, are how to stay emotionally engaged and inspired as you manifest and realize your dream. So we constantly have to bring the material into the spiritual realm, and we have to keep the spiritual alive when we're in our material daily world in order to just feel the fulfillment and feel the balance and feel the abundance in small things. Otherwise, we're either, you know, dreary material life or... A spiritual life, which is inspiring, but then we go back to our, our daily life and, you know, we don't know how to bring the two together. So that's what the playbook is about. Yeah, the Dream Big Playbook, and you said uh, prompts, like five prompts and five prompts. They are 10 questions that you can print out off of the playbook, look at them, think about them, answer those questions, and as uh, Dr. Gatman said, you will engage your spiritual nature and your higher consciousness, but then you will make those dreams, those spiritual longings, a reality by using the other five questions and, and, and engaging those in your daily life. It is a, a wonderful thing, and I, I just want to encourage anybody to go on to anagatman.com, and it's a slash uh, D um dbp dream big playbook if i got that right yeah okay. you got that right <laughs> okay I, I i don't want to confuse people okay yeah. so very good um and they can get your book where anywhere at amazon yeah <laughs> amazon <laughs> barnes and nobles yeah. uh, your local bookstore you can get you can it get anywhere. Your local bookstore I, I think people need to get a gold star i just found out the other day watching the news that amazon will not have paid any federal income tax for two years 2017 or 2018 good to be the jeff i guess at least most of the time uh, this is a wonderful book living a spiritual life in a material world four keys to fulfillment and balance anna i wanted to talk to you about your experience of going to your ancestral spiritual homeland of Israel, a place that I hope to see, not sure I'll get there in this lifetime. I'd love to go to the mm -hmm. Holy Land. When you went to Israel, was that more opportunity or more out of a sense of obligation that you returned? When you say return, can you say exactly what you're thinking about? Because I was born and raised in Israel. Oh, okay. Return. The idea that, as I have understood it anyway, is that return is a sense of, in the sense of the people, the Hebrews returning to Israel and where there was the temple, this idea of being in the diaspora and then going home, that sort of sense. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that I did the same thing of going back there? or I'm, 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 I'm sorry, wondering but, if you but did. I'm not sure. Yes. 
I'm, I'm just wondering what it meant to you. So I was born and raised in Israel. And in my 40s, I, I, in, in my 18, I moved out of Israel and lived all over. Uh, I lived in France and Sweden and different places in the U.S. Wow. And then in my 40s, I moved back to Israel out of a deep longing. So that would be the coming back, if that's what you're talking about. Yes, um, yes. How spiritually okay. opportune. So, so, yes. So in my 40s, I did have a longing to go back. I felt, it, it's interesting, I felt like an outsider here. Um, I felt um, I felt alone here. And I went back there. I really felt like I went back into the womb. And I stayed there for 14 years thinking I would not come back. I thought I would never leave Israel. I had finally come back home. But 14 years later, it's as if I, I had been, it was a long pregnancy, but I had mm-hmm. been in the womb for 14 years and I felt constricted again. I felt like I had a message to share with the world and I, need a lar- I needed a larger um, audience that was more open to, um, you know, to my um, to the research that had come out from my doctoral studies, the book I knew I was going to write, and um, and I had to leave. But I did get, you know, I did get a lot of grounding in Israel in those 14 years. But now I'm kind of I feel like I'm a citizen of the planet, and um, and so you know we all go through those constrictions and expansions, constrictions and expansions, and we need them. You know, we live in this planet where we learn from good and bad and right and wrong. And so it's important, but if we get stuck in it, then we're in either or. And I think the goal is to transcend, to grow and know, to learn what we want through this either or process. That's a really important part, but not to get stuck in the either or, to use it in order to choose, but then to go to our value-driven consciousness, as you call this, right? to pick the value and then to transcend into the third option that integrates and is more whole and interdependent. So that was my, you know, that's part of my journey. You encapsulated that beautifully. I love that. Thank you. I also think it would qualify someone with your experience, with your itinerary through life to be a world citizen. People who want Mm -hmm. to be fair to others can call themselves world citizens. And I suppose in a way that's true, but to have this cross cultural reference category to be able to go into those experiences to relive them in your mind and to act out of that is exceptional i don't think i can manage it just you know i'm on a different track but i certainly admire people who are willing to go out and engage the world well i i can tell you that it, it was not of my conscious choice i mean i felt like i was born into a life of extreme a jewish father a protestant mother a Swedish mother, an Israeli father, um, you know, a very um, harsh kind of domineering father, a very lenient mother. And so I suffered from these extremes, these either-ors. They were not easy for me. It's not like, oh, she was a world traveler. She had, she was lucky, but I am not. It's like I went through a lot of suffering um, being born into so much extreme. Just like I had an extremely materially materially satisfying life as a fashion model in my 20s, but in, in Paris, but felt very um, empty uh, spiritually. And then I went and had a spiritual life, you know, in my 30s and felt like, okay, but now I'm, I'm, I'm without the material life, which I really love. And so, wait a second, we, we need to find 
an in-between path, a path that transcends it. So I can appreciate today those extremes, but um, in, in my conscious life, I did not choose to leave, live through those extremes, but they definitely helped me understand both sides of different issues, the spiritual, the material, and, and other um, sides of different issues. And I have the capacity now to say, okay, how can we expand into the transcendent option and not stay stuck in the either-or option? And what you're really talking about in your book is that balance. And you, you just uh, identified it so beautifully, one part of your life being very materially successful, another part of your life being spiritually successful and saying, why can't I have it all? And so right. in thinking that through, you came up with the ideas for your book, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World. And it isn't to reject either one, but to blend them to the very best that you're able to do. And to that end, what happens when you're listening listening attentively and you get all these ideas? What do you do next? What's the third key? Okay, so that relates also to the Dream Big Playbook. You have to take inspired action, right? Because otherwise you're just having all these insights and inner prompts and gut feeling, but but you're not living life. So the third key is to act with inspired action, right? It's to move forward into the material world, into the physical world, and do and, and, and act upon the inside, the inner prompt or the outer prompt that you, you receive. So it's really the key for manifesting your dreams, your goals, your purpose. Um, and again, in the book, I go into five types of action, of inspired action. Okay, but you want to keep your action inspired, otherwise it's just a dreary to-do list. And if I can go back to the example of your friend, uh, Suzanne, that you shared, that on Valentine's Day she gave chocolate, you know, like chocolate hearts to everyone throughout her day. So that's one of the five ways of to act in inspired action. It's raising someone else's spirit because we are that powerful, and that's what she did. She expanded everyone who got a chocolate heart from her. It was unexpected. They, they, they didn't expect it. It's not in the relationship that she had with them that it was expected that she would do it. But for that moment, I bet you that they each smiled when they got the chocolate heart. And they felt, wow, somebody cared for me for a moment today. Somebody did a selfless act of kindness. And that uplifts the spirit. And that's what uplifted her spirit. So she, so uplift is another word for expanded, right? And it yes. uplifted the person's spirit. That's another word for expanded. And this is an inspired action act, right? And so, right. so, so that's one example of the five ways that you can act with inspiration once you have listened attentively and have an intuitive guidance how to move forward. Yes. I have a quote I would like to read. All right. This is from Anna Gatman. People don't necessarily want to give up material comforts in order to pursue the promise of spiritual fulfillment. At the same time, we all have an intrinsic need to lead meaningful, purposeful lives that contribute to a better world. Happiness lies in finding the spiritual value in our material desires and bringing our inner longings to physical realization. There's a lot that I could say about that, Anna, but one of the things that struck me when I first read that is 
how self-empowering it must be to find the spiritual value in one's material desires, not necessarily the material goods that you possess right now, but your desires and bringing your inner longings to physical realization. This is a self-actualized person, it seems to me, because you're in the captain's chair, you have clear desires, you are specific enough to understand when you have reached your destination, and yet you dig deep and you find spiritual meaning in the midst of it. That is a life well-lived by any measure. For sure. And I want to say that we take we take spiritual teachings and we just give them this either-or. They're either good or they're bad. So desire is a bad thing, right? Desire, we should all not have desires. And I've seen a YouTube a video where the Dalai Lama speaks about that. And he says, you know, desire is not a bad thing. Desire for compassion, desire for more inner peace, that's a desire too. Why do we take something and it becomes all bad? So again, if you desire, I mean, I'll, I'll go really material. If you want a pair of shoes, okay? Material indulgence, that would be what we would usually talk about beyond the fact that in our culture, we do wear shoes. But let's say you have you want to buy two pair of shoes. Well, let's go to the spiritual and see what is that going to fulfill in you, okay? It's going to fulfill in you maybe you got a, 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 a raise or a promotion or, you know, again, it, it's freedom, it's enjoyment, it's pleasure. All of these are emotional, spiritual qualities. Freedom, pleasure, these are things, that's the full human experience. The human experience is not just being here now compassion, service, and love. That's not the only human experience. Clarity and direction is a human experience. Focus is a human experience. Indulgence is a human experience as well. And it's good to indulge in small portions because, it, it, again, it helps us enjoy the material world and also say, okay, enough, because when you indulge, you also immediately connect to what's enough. And so, otherwise, you never know what's enough. So you indulge, and then you say, okay, I don't want more of this. That's an important experience to have as part of the human experience. And, and so, yeah, so it really is a mixture of these. And I want to say one more thing. When you buy a pair of shoes that someone designed, you're serving them because that's their calling. There's someone out there whose calling it is to design shoes. And if we, you know, there's so much talk about purpose and calling, but if no one's going to consume the services that other people have, the calling that other people have, we're not going to be able to live our calling. So we have to consume in different ways, visually and tactile and through sound and through speech. We have to consume other people's callings. Otherwise, we're not going to, we don't get to live our calling and we don't get, get to serve by consuming somebody else's calling. So you can see how the spiritual and material are so interdependent. They are interdependent, yes. And also, I think that leads to a special kind of life. Relatively few attain it, in my experience, and I don't think I'm there yet by any means, but that is a well-integrated life. But my point is that you're probably already doing it, but, but because we don't have the language for it, then you're going, oh, well, I'm probably not spiritual enough. I'm probably not integrated enough. But I bet you you're more integrated than you think you are because you probably have small little moments of joy in, in when you consume material things. 
small is okay. I mean, even yeah. I mean, even what you're doing now, right? We're 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 using material technology in order to have a conversation and inspire other people. Well, maybe this is just your job, but this is your calling, and this is what you love to do. And look at all the material technology that is supporting you. And so, if you just take a moment to say thank you to the technology, and we say thank you to the listeners. I mean, look how many people you're touching by doing something that's material and spiritual at the same time. So I would say you're already doing it. You just need to pay more attention. And when you pay more attention, you then you begin to feel, wow, I'm really feeling fulfilled. I'm really experiencing this material and spiritual uh, abundance. I like it the way you explain it. Before we, um, before we move to the last key, and it looks like we're going to get them all in in this hour, I wanted to um, mention this idea about... Um, uh, manifesting your your dreams and your goal and your purpose as part of that action part is that you are talking about a spiritual life and not a religious life. And I think uh, especially our listeners, but many more people in the United States consider themselves spiritual but not religious. So we are looking at your connection to the unseen world, to your higher consciousness. But when we're talking about um, those kinds of actions, you know, denying, uh, you know, what it is we want, don't deny our longings, we have to kind of give up some of the ideas that we may have been raised with religiously to embrace some of those ideas that are of a more spiritual nature. And that was one of the things that I noticed particularly in your book. Yeah, well, I, I think that it's important to, that these four keys are universal principles. So they transcend any faith or religion, but they don't deny any of them. You can adhere to any existing religion, or you can create your own new age or spiritual practice. And the, the four keys apply to all of them, because religion, at the core of it, is about having transcendent spiritual experiences of the sacred and the divine. Religion, in addition to that, has created a whole body of principles of how to adhere and to, to, adhere to and, ha- and what to live by in order to supposedly eventually have those spiritual experiences. And so the spiritual but not religious community is going, I just want the direct experience of the sacred and the divine. I don't want to adhere to an entire lifestyle that's very rigorous in order to have that. But you can practice the four keys, whatever you believe in, because they are universal principles. We just have a couple of minutes left, Anna, and there is there's a something in your book which so exemplifies the key number four, faith-filled knowing, and that was Carl Jung was asked in an interview for the BBC in 1959, you write on page 86, whether or not he had believed in God as a child, to which he responded, oh, yes. He was then asked whether or not he believed in God now that he was 84 years old. And what did he say about that, Anna? He paused, a long pause, and he said, hmm, now? I know. I don't need to believe. Now I know. And that is the four keys. The fourth key is a faithful knowing. And that's the you building your faith 
strengthening your faith that you are part of this universe. You are, we, we, we look at evolution as billions of years, but you and I are a, a, a celestial event that has occurred at this time in space after billions of years of evolution. That is a miracle. So the minute you think of yourself that way, then you know, you know that you're part of this wondrous universe. And so suddenly you can have this conversation with the universe, with God, with Jesus, however you want to call it. I call it universe. But you start having this faithful relationship of co-creation. You expand into the wonder of being a, a point of consciousness on this planet, which we are. And as a species can tap into the spiritual and the material, the imaginal and the, 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 the realized. And we can, sorry, and, and we, as a point of consciousness, we can start to have a conversation with the universe, with the spiritual, with the, the material. And suddenly miracles happen and synchronistic events occur. And we build our faith even more. And as we build our faith even more more occurs. We live in greater alignment. Um, we feel that the universe is flowing more in the direction that we want to go. We feel more fulfilled. We feel more that our life is purpose-filled. So that's the fourth key, and it really helps to reinforce the other keys. So each key reinforces the next one. And I need to say they don't happen in a linear way they do happen linearly, but they happen really quickly. So they can happen within seconds. It's not like an hour and an hour later. I just separated them in order for us to become aware of them, and then we can put them together and experience them in an organic way. Yes. I love the idea that when we pray, when we affirm, when we speak our word, we are not speaking into the void. That's very reassuring to me, Anna. <laughs> yes, it is. That's the faith. In our our last minute, I just wanted to give you one more opportunity because someone may say, oh, I missed it. How do I get to that uh, dream Dream big? big. So tell people how they can take advantage of your special offer. So um, my website is annagatman.com. And on it, you you will find the the, uh, link where you can sign up for the Dream Big playbook. Um, And... um, from that moment on, we can communicate and go deeper into this conversation, which has been so enjoyable. I've loved this hour with you. Thank you so much for it. Likewise. Oh, it's been you. great. I want to give the title of the book once again, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. The author, Anna Gatman, Ph.D. Anna, we must do this again. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our pleasure. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising. Jupiter's Rising again. Coming up next, and join us next Friday. We'll do it all over again. Fantastic. Hope you're enjoying your weekend, everybody. And stay tuned whenever possible to 1150 KKNW Seattle. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.